Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Luke 15, reading from verse 11, reading to verse 19. The Bible says, and he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to, the, to his father, Father, give me the portion of the goods that followed to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and it began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to the citizens of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers, of my fathers have bread enough to eat to spare? And I perish with hunger. Verse number 18. I will arise and go to my father and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Take me as one of thy hired servants. Now this verse of the scripture is a very popular verse. Many people who have spent any time in the church will probably have heard the story of what is referred to as the prodigal son. The prodigal son is a story that talks of a particular individual, a young man who not only demanded for the bread, his, inter- his inheritance, he received that what he demanded for and he ended up wasting that particular inheritance. So he asked for, received and then wasted the inheritance that, the, that, his, that he demanded from his father. And since the beginning of this year, you will notice that in Lifelong Anointing Church, we have been doing one thing. We have been preparing people to be able to receive from the Almighty God. We have given the, the, the principles that are the, the principles, the spiritual principles that an individual needs to understand if they want to be able to receive from the Almighty God. We've shared that. We've discussed it in details. And why did we do that? We do that because we know that the Lord God Almighty has a plan and a purpose for His people. He wants to bless them. He wants to give them something that will transform their life. He said, I will make a difference between those who serve me and those who do not. In other words, he's going to make our lives to be different from the people that we spend our time with in a, from, the, from those who have not been related to him. So the Lord wants to bless us. But the story of the prodigal son reminds us of something that many of the time we don't pay attention to. And the story of the, of the prodigal son tells us that it is one thing for you to receive the blessings of God. It is quite another thing for you to keep that blessing. It is one thing for you to receive from God. It's another thing for you to keep that blessing. The story of the prodigal son tells us that it is not enough to just receive that blessing. You must be able to retain and preserve that particular blessing. What use is if you ask somebody to give you a dollar 
I'll give you ten dollars, I'll give you a hundred dollars, I'll give you a thousand dollars, I'll give you a million dollars. If that person hands you that particular money and the next thing you turn around and somebody steals it from you, what is the use of that money then? Okay? So what the Lord is saying there, what the, what the story of the prodigal son is saying there, you can ask for something, but do you have the capacity to keep that what, you, what you're asking? You can ask for a blessing from God, but the question is, do you have the ability or the grace or the enablement or the wherewithal to be able to keep that particular blessing? The story of the prodigal son teaches us that there is a danger when you are asking for something that you don't have the capacity to keep. Okay? A boy who is just about 5 or 10 years old asking for a BMW. He might get that BMW, but it might not be the best thing for his life. He doesn't have the ability to keep it. He doesn't have the capacity to keep it. He doesn't have the enablement to keep it. He doesn't have the wisdom or the maturity to be able to keep it. What we are saying is that we should be very careful when we are asking something from the Almighty God. We should be careful because if you don't have the capacity for what you are asking for, you are actually doing yourself a disservice. When you ask God for what you have no ability to keep, you are actually doing yourself a disservice. When you don't have the discipline to keep what you are asking for, you are doing yourself a disservice. When you don't have the maturity to be able to keep that which you are asking for, you might be doing yourself a disservice. And as a church, we have prayed a lot of prayers in this church since the beginning of the year. Asking that, you know, and concerning the blessings of God. The thing is that how well we will keep that blessing and for how long we are going to enjoy that blessing is a function of the level of individual maturity. How well you can, how well you are going to enjoy that blessings, and for how long you are going to enjoy that blessing is a function of your level of maturity. You have heard me say this before. There are times when you find people who win the lottery because they have not developed the capacity to keep and to retain and to preserve wealth. What you find is that they receive those blessings, they receive those winnings, and after a couple of periods, they lose everything. The reason is because they have, don't have the maturity to keep money. They don't have the discipline to be able to maintain it. They don't have what it takes to be able to preserve the winnings that they have been, that they have been given the opportunity to enjoy. So how well and how long you are going to enjoy the blessings of God is a function of your level of maturity. My desire for my life, my desire for my family, my desire for this church is that everything that God gives us, we should be able to keep. The blessings that God gives us, you should be able to keep. And you will notice one of the things that God spoke about here, Abraham. He said, I know Abraham because the blessings that I give to him, the instructions that I give to him, the things that I release into his life, he said he has the capacity to be able to teach his children so that the blessings that he has received, he will be able to transfer into the life of his children. In our, in our life class this morning, we talked about it. Where the Lord will give, you know, where the Lord gave a particular instruction to the children of Israel, but they were not able to preserve it because they were not able to communicate or transfer the blessings of God along the generational lines. The blessings of God does not automatically become preserved in your life. The blessings of God is not automatically transferred to your children. What you enjoy today does not necessarily mean that your children or your friend or your family members will enjoy it. You have to be able to know how to keep and how to preserve the blessings of God. For the next generation. But that will only happen. If you possess the power to preserve. The only time that you are going to enjoy the blessings and the power. And the power of the almighty God for a long time. Is when you have that ability to preserve. 
You have the power to preserve. To enjoy the blessings of God, you need to possess, like I said, the power to preserve. You need to possess that ability to be able to keep and to retain. That is why we are going to be spending some time on how, you know, and looking at the power of God in the life of an individual to preserve the blessings of God. In the passage that we read in the book of Luke chapter 15, I want you to focus your attention on two verses in that, in that, in that chapter. Two verses. The first one I want you to look at is look at verse number 12 of that chapter. Verse number 12 of Luke chapter 15 tells us, And the younger of them said, uh, said to his father, Father, give me the portion of good that falleth to me. And the Bible, the Bible told us that the father responded by doing what? The Bible tells us that the father divided his living and gave it to him. Okay? So the first thing this boy did was he demanded for the blessings of the Almighty God. If you go down to verse number 18 of that same chapter, the Bible tells us, and I want you to notice the language that he used after he has exhausted that which was been given. Look at verse number 18. The Bible says, I will arise. That's now what he has said after wasting what the Father has given to him. He said, I will arise. And go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am no longer, I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Now look at that interesting verse in the last part of verse number 19. He said, make me one of thy hired servants. When he was coming in verse number 12, he said, give me that which pertain unto me. Now after wasting it, he said, now make me one of your servants. Verse number 19 should have come first before asking for verse number 12. Because if he had to look for verse number 19 first, he would have been able to preserve what he received in verse number 12. You will notice that there was a major change in the life of this particular prodigal son after he has wasted that which he has been given. You will notice that there is a major change that happened to his attitude, a major change happened to his priority, a major change happened to his outlook in life. The first thing you will notice in that verse number 17, the Bible says that he came to himself. In other words, when he has received money, he received the inheritance. I'm sure he must have been very, very large inheritance. Because the Bible said that he went to a far country. I don't want to stay in a place where my father will be able to bother me. I don't want to stay in a place where somebody will put a restraining, you know, put restraints on me. I don't want to be in a place where somebody will be able to crack my style. I want to go to a place where I can live the way I want to live. And the Bible said that he wasted that particular money on riotous living. In other words, the guy was living large. Okay? He was actually having a ball. It was just, I mean, and you can imagine, you can imagine the kind of party that is happening to him every minute of the day. That was what happened. But the Bible told him in verse number 17, he said, after he blew all that money away, then reality came in. And when reality showed up, the Bible said in verse number 17, he said, he came to himself. I love the way the King James always put some words. Say, he came to himself. It's like he woke up and said, who? What happened here? Okay, he woke up. Now, before you, the, what you will find is that what happened to that that, that particular prodigal son was that the first thing is that reality changed for him. He was not going to continue to live on another person's dime. Reality changed. The second thing is that his response changed. The Bible told us that when he woke up, he realized, "I will arise." In other words, I can't continue like this. I will arise. So his response changed. Number three, his decisions changed. He said, "I will arise, not just arise, but I will arise and go." There was a decision that followed that particular thing. Now, not only that, there was a priority change. He said, "I will arise and go to my father, the same father he ran away from." The same father he didn't want to spend time with. The same father that he felt was going to be cramping his style. That same father was where he was going back to. So his priorities changed. And then the next thing you saw is that his perception changed. 
initially he thought that he had that which you know he thought that he was entitled to what he was supposed to receive he felt that yes he said father give me that which pertain to me in other words i have a right to this thing it is mine give it to me but father when after he has wasted everything the bible says his perception changed verse number 18 he said i have sinned against heaven and are before thee his perception changed after he wasted it and then finally his outlook changed his outlook changed his entitlement syndrome was cured when he started eating food that was meant for swine. That was when that entitlement syndrome cured. It was cured. And we used to joke about it that if you think you have ADHD, go to Africa. They will beat the daylight out of you. That ADHD will clear. But that's a story for another day. The point we are making right now is this. His outlook changed because he now realized that life was not just one big party that you can just have every day. So in verse number, number 19, the Bible says, He said, I am no longer worthy to be called your son because I've wasted my inheritance. I have fettered away the things that you have worked very hard all your life to gather. I have wasted them away. He said, Now I'm no longer worthy to be called that particular servant. That entitlement syndrome is gone. Now, in order for me to continue to have a relationship with you, I want to be, I, 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 I consider myself now a servant, not to no longer call the son. And then his demand changed in verse number 19. He said, make me one of your hired servants. Initially he said, give me my inheritance. Now he's saying, make me one of your servants. Because that, at this point, after reality sets in, the demands change. Okay? As a result of that radical transformation in his life, his attitude was affected. He moved from an attitude of give me to an attitude of make me. That was what happened when that transformation took place. When that transformation took place, his understanding was affected. He moved from claiming his right to demanding, you know, to understand his duty. When that transformation took place and reality sets in, his perception about life was affected. He was moved. He has moved from there from a total lack of understanding of what it took to be a son to a true appreciation of what it means to be a member of a family. Something changed. That radical transformation happened. And then finally, when that particular radical transformation happened and reality sets in for him, his relationship with his, with his father was also affected. He was a person who made you know, he was a person who was more interested in running away from the father, but now wanted to have a relationship. He wanted to understand what it means to be a part of a family. And finally, his total personality changed when reality hit his face. And that is what happens in the house of God. Until the reality of the blessings of God hits you, sometimes your demand becomes unreasonable. Sometimes you don't even know what you are asking. This man's total personality was affected because of the fact that he understood right now what it means to be able to lose the blessings of the Almighty God. After that experience, if you give him, I can imagine if you have the prodigal son standing here right now. After losing all the inheritance that he was given. If you told him, I said, okay, I'll give you another opportunity. I'll give you another half of my inheritance again. Do you think he's going to do exactly the same thing? Never. Okay, well, I think that's a better answer. He shouldn't if he had learned any lesson. <laughs> if he had learned any lesson. But if, he's, if, he, if, if he has not learned anything, he will repeat the same mistake like many of us do. But if he has learned something, he will never repeat that mistake again. Because he has seen the pain of losing something that is precious. If you give him an opportunity again, he will live his life differently. You know, everything will be different if you give him another chance. But not all the day. We don't get that opportunity all the time. But the question is, why would he live his life differently? The, the reason is because the man or the woman who will preserve the blessings of God in their life must be a man who, number one, came to himself. 
must come to a reality, a, a realization of his true, you know, of his true nature. A point where you actually understand what is actually going on, the reality of what you are facing. Number two, a man who will preserve the blessings of the Almighty God must be a man that lives for God, not live unto himself. At that point in time, the prodigal son was only living to only one person. There was only one person that was important. There was only one son in that universe. He was the main thing. After him, nothing happened. He was the best thing that happened to life after sliced bread at that time. I'm not sure they had sliced bread in those days. But at least they had something that was important. But he thought it was the most important thing at that point in time. But you know, a man who will preserve, who will enjoy the blessings of God for a very long time, must be a man who lives for God, not to himself. The man who will enjoy the blessings of the Almighty God must be a one that seeks the giver more than the giver. This guy at that time was only interested in what the father was going to offer. That was all. If the father were to drop dead at that point in time, as long as the will was made and he knew what he was going to get, he could care less. But if he's going to preserve the blessings of the Almighty God, you are not just interested in the gifts. You are interested in the giver of that particular gift. And then finally, there must be a, you know, a man who will preserve the blessings of the Almighty God in his life must be a man who makes a transition from giving. Take, 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 take. Give me, give me, give me. He has to make that transition to, Lord, make me the person you want me to be. And that is what happened. There has to be a transition from verse number 12 to verse number 19. When he came to his father, he said, give me that which pertains unto me. But after wasting everything, say, Lord, make me who I'm supposed to be. If you are going to preserve the blessings of God in your life, the first thing you need to ask for is, Lord, make me who you want me to be. When you make me who you want me to be, then when you pour the blessing, I have the capacity, I have the foundation, I have the necessary structure to be able to carry that which you are pouring into my life. But if you don't have that strength, if you don't have that capacity, if you don't have that foundation, if you don't have the necessary structure in place, the blessings of God may be released, but you might not be able to support it. That is why houses collapse. That's why businesses collapse. That's why relationships collapse. Because the necessary structure that will hold the things in place, that will hold the blessings of God in place, that will hold the, the glory and the, and the anointing and everything that God is releasing into your life, those things, those necessary foundational structures that are supposed to be in place, if they are not there, and you are asking for anointing, when you are asking for blessing, you are asking for the heavens to open over your life, if all those things begin to open because God hears and answer prayer, what you will find is that you will begin to do yourself a disservice because you don't have the structure to carry it. I want to be great, I want to be great, I want to be great but you don't understand simple discipline you don't understand how to pray and receive from the almighty God you don't know how to hear the voice of the almighty God you don't know how to read the scripture to receive word for your own life you don't know how to dig deep into the well of the spirit so that you can receive nutrients that will feed your own soul if you don't know how to do all those things and you are asking for the ministry of the almighty God to enlarge in your life as the ministry begins to enlarge there will be demand upon you, demand upon your time demand upon emotionally, demand upon you psychologically, before you know what's happening that's when people become dried up. That's when people come to the point that they say, no, I'm giving up in ministry. Is it because God failed? No. It's because the foundation was not dug in the first place. You have to. The man who will preserve the blessings of the Almighty God must be a man who has made the transition from give me to make me. You have to make that transition if you are going to keep the blessings of the Almighty God. In other words, preserving the blessings of the Almighty God requires maturity. That's what we're just trying to say. It requires maturity. It requires you to grow up. 
The Bible says that as newborn babes, it says we should desire the sincere milk of the world so that we can grow, so that we can begin to have the muscles. We can begin to understand what it takes to be able to walk with the Lord. In other words, preserving anything of value requires maturity. The question then is, what is maturity in the house of God? What is Christian maturity? We talk about that particular word. It always is a mature Christian, is a solid believer. What does it mean? Look at Second Timothy chapter three. Second Timothy chapter three, reading from verse number sixteen. The Bible says, "All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness." Now look at verse number seventeen. He said that the man of God may be perfect. In other words, may be matured, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. In other words, maturity as described, as presented to us by Paul the Apostle, is that a mature believer is a one that is perfect, you know, somebody who is somebody who has grown, somebody who is furnished unto all good works. No, somebody who is equipped to be able to live the Christian faith. Somebody who is properly equipped such that when he lives the Christian life, he's not living an intellectual life, he's living a practical life. He's matured, he's equipped unto good works. In other words, maturity is displayed in the work that we do more than the knowledge that we possess. That's basically what Paul is saying. Your maturity in the world of in the, in the house of God is a function of the way you live your life on a daily basis. It is revealed in the way you live your life. Maturity has a lot to do with your actions rather than the amount of knowledge you are able to acquire. I am not knocking knowledge. Please, let's understand it very well. I'm not saying it is not good for you to have understanding. I'm not saying it's not good for you to read the scriptures or understand what it's saying. But what I'm saying is that you must, if you are talking about a mature believer, a mature believer is a believer who takes that knowledge of what he knows and transforms it, and transforms it into action. And that's why there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Two different things. Knowledge is the acquisition of information, but wisdom is the application of that particular knowledge. Are you able to take what you know and put it into proper action? And that is why we want to move and begin to talk about what is now spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. Maturity, spiritually, is displayed in the works we do more than the knowledge we possess. That's what we said a few minutes ago. It's a, it has a lot to do with our action rather than our profession. Spiritual maturity is the state of full spiritual development. And when I use the word full, I'm talking in terms of relatively because nobody can have a full development, full spiritual development on this side of heaven. But it's a, full, it's, a, it's a state of full spiritual development. Maturity means a complete or full grown or implies the ripeness of character and experience. In other words, you have come to the point where as a result of the experiences that you have had in life, you are better positioned than other people who don't have that particular kind of experience. It is used, when we are talking about spiritual maturity, we are talking about the full development of adulthood compared to children who whine and does whatever you want to do. Just like this beautiful baby right now. If somebody like me should go and sit on that carpet and do exactly the same thing, you probably think I missed my meds this morning. <laughs> because you don't expect somebody, a grown-up man like me, doing what that baby just did. Okay? That is the difference between the two of us. Okay? That is what tells you that somebody is grown and somebody is still a baby. If you see a baby in the house of God, you will tell by the way they throw the tantrum. You will tell by the things that they demand. You will tell by the way they live their life regardless of other things. But when you see an adult in the house of the Lord, you can also tell the difference. You can also tell the difference. So spiritual maturity is basically, in its simplest form, is Christ-likeness. Developing the nature of Christ in you. 
Okay? And if you read the book of Philippians, you see a pure understand a, a very concise description of the nature of Christ. And what is that nature of Christ? He said, He that was in the form of God, but thought it not river robbery to be equal with God. And he, you know, he, he made himself as a, a as the form of a man, and he died for us on the cross of Calvary, so that what he can redeem us. That is the nature of Christ, that is the mind of Christ. And anyone who is talking about spiritual maturity should be talking about attaining that particular mind of Christ. Yeah. We are mature. If we begin to reflect the nature and the behavior of Christ in our individual life. And you are as matured as how far you are able to reflect that particular behavior. That particular image of Christ. There are many things in the church that people confuse for spiritual maturity. A lot of things people confuse for spiritual maturity. And that is why we must understand one thing. That spiritual maturity is not the process of aging. Okay, the fact that you spend a long time in church doesn't mean that you are matured, that you understand what is going on in the church. You know, some people don't normally make this particular argument. They say that the fact that the car spend a long time in the garage doesn't make the garage the car or the car the garage. It doesn't transform you. You are still, you know, you are still who you are. So maturity is not an aging process. Maturity is not instantaneous. The fact that you are sitting down in church does not mean you understand what is going on. Does not mean that you hear what is going on. Does not even mean that you are taking in what is going on. So maturity is not instantaneous. Maturity is not automatic. In other words, the fact that I go to church every time makes me already automatically makes me a, 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 a mature believer. No, just like the fact that you come to church does not make you a Christian. It only makes you. It only means that you come to church. It doesn't mean that you are a Christian. So maturity is not instantaneous. Maturity is not automatic. Maturity is not the acquisition of knowledge. No, maturity is not acquisition of knowledge. Accumulation of information is good, but the application of knowledge is what determines whether you know what you are doing or you are just acquiring information. And that is why people have been able to describe it very well. They say there are some people who are book smart and there are some people who are street smart. They understand everything that is in the book. But when they come to full life, when they are exposed to real life, they are as lost as lost can be. And there are some people who have no idea what is written in the book. But when you put them into real life, they are able to perform. There is a difference between the two. So maturity is not the acquisition of knowledge. Maturity is not good manners. The fact that I say, yes man, yes sir, I am a very patient person, I don't get angry, or I look very calm on the surface, that doesn't mean that I'm mature. It just means that I'm being properly raised. Or probably my father disciplined me so much, I just kept quiet, I don't know how to talk anymore. It can be one of those reasons, but the idea that you are good man doesn't mean that you are matured. Maturity has nothing to do. You know, it has a lot to do with good manners. It's reflected in good manners, but the fact that you have good manners doesn't mean that you are mature. Maturity is not charisma. That you are able to talk people into buying, or you are able to talk an Eskimo into buying ice, doesn't mean that you are matured. It simply means that you know how to talk. That's all. So charisma is not maturity. And we mistake that a lot in the house of God. When people come in because they are charismatic, because they have the energy, they are talented, they are good speakers, very, very articulate, and they know how to be able to present the gospel in such a way that nobody, you know, people, very few people can argue with them. We begin to mistake that to mean maturity. One of the things I remember my, one of my pastors told me when I was growing up is that, he said, if you see anybody who comes to the house of the Almighty God that is in a hurry, say, be very careful. Be very, very careful. You see somebody who comes into the church and is very, very energetic and, and is very, very charismatic. He said, very, very, he said, as much as possible, slow down. He said, because time, time has a way of revealing what is under the skin. See, time has a way of revealing what is hidden. Time has a way of revealing the true intentions of man. 
Time has a way of revealing whatever anybody is concealing. So he said, anytime you walk with anybody and you see that person who wants to get things done quickly, quickly, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't get things done quickly. Please don't misunderstand me. It simply means that you need to be able to understand what the motivation of that individual is. So maturity is not a function of charisma. Charisma doesn't equal maturity. It simply means maturity. Charisma simply means charisma. And maturity is a different thing altogether. And then finally, maturity is not spiritual gifts. That a man can pray in tongues. That he can see visions. That he has the word of knowledge. Or the word of wisdom. That he can lay his hands upon the sick and the sick will be healed. That he can deliver the oppressed. Does not mean that he's spiritually matured. If you read the book of Corinthians, you will tell you. The Bible makes us understand that the book of Corinthians was loaded with people with spiritual gifts. And yet, this was the same group of people who were sleeping with each other. These were the same group of people who were backbiting. These were the same group of people that had all the behaviors that you could not imagine. They had it. But yet, there was a spiritual gift manifesting itself powerfully in that particular church. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. We would like to invite you to join us at our March edition of our Breakfast Connection on Saturday, March 9th, 2019 at 9 a.m. The event will take place at 2711 Murfreesboro Road, Antioch, Tennessee, 37013. Breakfast Connection is a forum for equipping believers to live and share their faith in the marketplace. Child care will be provided. We look forward to enjoying a warm fellowship with you. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Thank you.